0: Welcome to the Nerdaplexi Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. Take your shot, fun boy. You got me dead bang. And joining us on this episode is our own social media 1010. It's Dave.
1: You heard me rapping, right?
0: <laughs> so sit back, down a bullet with a shot of whiskey, and fire, fire it up.
1: up. Fire as we it get up. into fire it up.
0: the crow. That was the stupidest scene I've ever seen i've ever seen but i also simultaneously loved every
1: single second of it there was obviously some type of uh, a budding romance between skank and uh and t-bird which is why skank took it so bad when t-bird died skank i think it was unrequited love i think it was requited i think it was well requited do you think so i don't think so i think t-bird was like fuck you go get the beers i think he was like f me go get the beers
0: yeah, it's all it's all coming <laughs> clear
1: now, isn't it? Yeah, once I said it out loud, I was like, "No, this is a this is a, a Dom Sub thing, huh?" Yeah. Uh, oh, T Bird, Dave, Jerry from Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's also um the bad guy from the Warriors. Oh, <laughs> Classic. Oh, Wow, come out good, good eyes.
0: A lot of great character actors in this bad boy. Oh yeah, we're gonna get into it. This is the Crow. It was released May thirteenth, nineteen ninety four. That's probably a Friday the thirteenth. Very cool. Directed by Alex Proyas, starring, now oh boy, there's too many lists, list, but here's some of my highlights. We've got Brandon Lee, Michael Wincott, Ernie Hudson, Tony Todd, and our returning champion, John Polito. Minnelli. Yeah, baby. <laughs> this is our most featured actor. The macho man himself. That's what they
1: called him in the bar. He's got to be the most featured actor by now, even more than Michael Keaton. I think Michael Keaton was at the top for a long time. Two was the top for a long time for anyone. But also Bai
0: Ling. She's in Crank. Oh my goodness. I know Bai Ling. She plays Micah here, but I didn't realize that was the same person. Wow, 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 wow. She plays quite a character. Okay, so now this director, Alex Proyas, Let's get into some of his filmography here because he's. it looks like he started out as a music video director, which makes a lot of sense. This is like MTV at its peak powers. And The Crow is like a very long The Cure music video. <laughs> I want
1: this soundtrack on vinyl. It's a good soundtrack.
0: Alex Proyas, he directed Dark City. He directed The Crow, directed iRobot. And to connect us back to Moon Knight, he directed <laughs> the much Band Gods of Egypt. So a spotty career. He's done a lot. That's just some of the highlights, certainly. Dark City is solid, dude.
1: Dark City is... Please tell me there's a Dark City comic. Amazing. Oh, yeah, that's on the list, baby. Don't worry about it. Oh, yes. There probably isn't one, but we'll still watch it.
0: (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's on the list. There's a novel paperback. Close enough? Well, I think we might have missed it in the timeline anyhow. I'm not sure when that comes out. We haven't. Well, fuck it. We'll put it on the list. I love Dark City. We'll just watch Dark City just because it's great. Yeah, let's just watch Dark City. We we need to do a show, but i just watch Dark City. We never mention this because we always do say what the uh, the criteria is, but it is our show. Yeah. And we could do with it what we want. (laughs) I mean, that's true. That's true. The original criteria was a comic-related movie, so something that had a comic with an American release or a movie about superheroes or like about comic book stuff at least dark city is uh, arguably there's some definitely
1: some superhuman aspects to it dark city and the 11th floor or 13th floor i mean are precursors to the matrix we've opened ourselves up to whenever we say anything with a superhero in it it's a really it's kind of up to us if someone's got something kind of a superpower to them does it make them a superhero Danny darko travels in time do we care about their superheroes or anti-heroes? But the fact is, we already broke the thing on our second episode because Punisher didn't
0: have a U.S. release. Yeah, but how are you not going to cover that? You got to do. <laughs> That's the basic We're gonna structure. We're going to keep We have to make exceptions sometimes. Maybe Dark City's a mini. I mean, it's a bonus. I'm, I'm going to pay us $5 to recover Dark City. Mini's wide open. And speaking of being a precursor to The Matrix... Dave, that the rooftops where Trinity fights the agent that first scene, that's Dark City. Like, that is the the Dark City set. Yes. Oh, that's baller. (laughs) Very cool. (laughs) That is so good. So anyhow, there's a connection. But now we've got our foot in the door. So if we've covered someone who's then in another adjacent thing, we'll scoop it up.
1: Is Kiefer Sutherland not a superhero? Just in general? We watch Phone Booth, (laughs) Jack Bauer.
0: Oh, he's the bad guy. Yeah. We just talked about a character in Phone Booth in the last episode. Colin Farrell. Yes. Honest to goodness, he's maybe one of my favorite actors. I don't know when it happened. It really snuck up on me. In Bruges is when it happened for me. In Bruges is good. I like In Bruges. For me, it was Daredevil. So let's get into the plot. Probably get out of the way. The Brandon Lee of it all. Yeah. Yes. Brandon Lee was unfortunately killed in a misfire accident accident. With three days left of shooting, the scene they were shooting, it was one of the flashbacks. So, like when they. Where he dies. When he dies is when he died. It certainly mirrors Game of Death and how his father he kind of made Game of Death about a very similar accident on set, then was mysteriously died as well. Bruce Lee's official cause
1: of death was swelling of the brain caused by an allergic reaction to a headache medication
0: because he always had uh, beef with triads because he wouldn't pay the protection money to make movies in China, and that rattled a lot of people. There's a scene at the very end of, I believe it's Big Boss, where he jumps into a crowd and a bunch of soldiers shoot him, and one of the guns, I believe, I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but had a, a slug in it, and he, he was shot, but it was like minor. It didn't injure him over much. And then, so he made... Game of Death, where the character is shot in the face and almost dies. And then this thing, this very same thing Which he died during the filming of. Yes. And then
1: hilariously replaced by cardboard cutouts in some scenes.
0: In kind of a reversal, um, they only had like 12 minutes of footage of Bruce Lee for Game of Death. But in this, they needed like 12 more minutes of footage. So they did face replacement for both Game of Death and... The crow, but the crow was a little bit better. Do you know the body double, speaking of the Matrix, who was the stunt double for Brand Lee for this movie? I
1: don't. It was handsome Chad.
0: What? It was Chad Stahelski. We just talked about the Matrix again. Is this a simulation? Uh it must be because the algorithm is lining up episodes of the podcast. So the crossovers are <laughs> coming hot and heavy on this one.
1: And they say it can't rain all the time, but it keeps happening. It cannot always be night.
0: <laughs> As a result of Brandon
1: like Lee's death, the actor who played Fun Boy never watched the movie until his own death. Are you saying, is this another In Memoriam? So, he watched it at his death? Oh, uh, Sam. I am saying, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he never watched the movie, and he never will.
0: <laughs> okay, saying. you said he didn't watch
1: it until his death. Until his death. Up until his death, he still had yet to see it. Because evidently, like 10 years on after this movie came out, or after this movie was filmed, I should say, he was still having like horrible nightmares about it because he was the one holding the gun. And actually that which now causes people on movie sets, they now do funkier angles whenever people are shooting at people, even though there's still blanks, they're still not shooting at a person with the blanks.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, these accidents still happen to
1: this day. I read an article that was written in 2020 that said that it didn't really happen anymore. And then in 2021, it tragically did on Rust.
0: Honestly, people complain about it and say, you know, blanks are better. It's better, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, I don't think any of the John Wicks had actual guns on set. They were all CGI and you wouldn't know to see it.
1: You truly can't tell. What's the point? The other unfortunate kind of chilling aspect to that, and I mean, I'm sure it'll come up again during the episode because, like you said, they do replace his face with the body double digitally, which actually has done really well considering when this came out.
0: I was looking for it and I, I couldn't really tell. I
1: couldn't notice it either. It's almost undetectable. It happens. There's the scene where he's he shatters the mirror, so they put Brandon Lee's picture over the shattered mirror really smart because you could do that and since it's a shattered mirror like you're not even thinking twice about it looking weird or anything and then as he's walking towards the window that he falls out of in the movie lightning flashes and you see his face it's so smartly done that it truly you can't tell and then there's a couple other scenes where they just don't show his face at all
0: i know the scene you're talking about and i thought they were just comping him into the window but they were just comping his face on so i mean it was yeah yeah
1: super well done
0: for 94
1: But then the chilling aspect is that he's likely in late scenes in the movie holding the gun that killed him because he takes T-Bird's gun and he has Tintin's gun.
0: He takes that gun.
1: Yeah. It's very likely that that was the gun that killed him whenever he's in like that boardroom scene. Anyway,
0: so now that's all out of the way. Back to the movie. We're doing a fly through of a dystopian city on fire. It is Devil's Night. Devil's fucking night. And it is a very spooky city. A very dark city. Except for the fires.
1: Yeah, and actually, some say that when someone, someone dies,
0: dies, a crow carries, a crow carries the their soul the dead, to the land of the dead, but sometimes, sometimes
1: something so bad something happens so the soul can't rest. And, and the
0: soul can't rest. Sometimes, sometimes it brings the soul back to, put the, right. soul back to put the wrong things right. One year later. put the wrong things right. So then a bad thing happens. We do see a um, scene here where there's a murder. The character, Eric, Draven, and Shelly, they're both killed. Well, they're both wounded. Eric is killed, being thrown out the window. And Shelly hangs on for 30 hours at the hospital and then does die. We find out through the detection of Ernie Hudson. Really? Oh, my goodness. So good to see him. Yeah, Albrecht is the best. Albrecht is great, and he deduces that tomorrow was going to be their wedding. They were getting married on Halloween because they're goths, and it was 1994.
1: They did like a wise cracking joke like, Who the fuck gets married on Halloween anyhow?
0: Nobody. She's Nobody. still alive in the room. She's still alive in the room fighting for her life, and they're cracking wise. Also,
1: um, that guy says, is this the victim? And then Winston Zeddemore says,
0: No, it's me, Earhart. We found a detective and you missed it.
1: <laughs> so that's a nice callback to how <laughs> detectives talk from Night of the Creeps.
0: Yeah, a lot of that crack and wise in this one. We get a little setup of all the characters here. The initial bad guys, you see uh, Albright, you see Sarah, the friend. And then one year later, time has passed, Sarah goes to visit her friend's graves. And then her and Ernie grab... Uh, Grab a fucking hot dog.
1: There's a lot of great Batman parallels to to this because there's, you know, there's justice, vengeance, vigilantism. And, you know, remember that punchy quote from Batman 1989? This town needs an enema, you know? But Mickey, the hot dog vendor, has a line that's not dissimilar. He says, uh... You know, what this place needs is a good natural catastrophe. Earthquake, tornado, maybe a flood, like, in you know, the Bible." Which... I, is not as punchy, but still pretty good. Not as punchy or as enema-ish.
0: When he said, you know what this town needs, I perked up a little bit at that. <laughs> I was like, are you going to say enema? I, <laughs> I really did. I thought for sure he was. <laughs> this movie, I before we go too far on, I just want to say I had to turn up the brightness on my screen because I was having a hard time literally watching this. It's a dark boy. It was quite dark. The cinematography, though,
1: even though it's quite dark, is fantastic.
0: And that's intentional. It was intended to be very dark. It was kind of monochromatic. It almost feels like you're diving into a comic book. I watched a couple interviews with the cinematographer and the writer and also Brandon Lee where they we're doing promos and basically saying that they wanted to shoot the whole thing in black and white except for the flashbacks. But like, no studio is going to let you do a black and white movie for $25 million in 1984. Get out of here. The comics were also black and white. Yes. But they did kind of do a compromise where they ran filters using color and darkness. They tried to wash out. The only color they really wanted to use was red. It's a very darkly tinted movie. I think stylistically... They did a pretty good job. Another thematic thing we're working through, like the last episode with Moon Knight, the style changes abruptly to let you know where you're at and like what point in time we're referring to. And I think that's really well done here. There's some time jumps and it's never confusing. It always makes sense.
1: What I like about that most is it doesn't go like previously or three weeks prior you have to understand that the color change and the style of the shot is different, so the time is different. It's not holding your hand. No exposition dialogue necessary.
0: There's not a lot of exposition, which is really nice. And in those same interviews I saw, they had mentioned that they, because at this point it's 94, superhero movies are a thing again, and this is a comic movie, and they really wanted to try to stay true to the original, but also kind of. Push the boundaries of that comic movie convergence kind of thing and push what you would anticipate being in that much like the crow comic when we'll get to that in the convergence deals with some heavy themes as well but stylistically they hit it out of the ballpark here out comes draven from the grave there's an arcade smash em up and then we get some returners baby
1: Yep, and it's a nice touch because they have his slit cut out of the back of his shirt. which is like, you know, funeral home
0: mm-hmm. procedure, right? They
1: just can't kind of stuff the stuff behind them. They actually did that in Night of the Living Dead, the remake. A lot of people with, like, big cuts out of the back of their suits and stuff. That's a cool detail. It's a cool detail. It's a cool detail. That's
0: a cool detail. It's a cool detail. This will be nice. It's a good thing you got a clean take there. Okay, so Draven's back. He's he's back from the grave. A crow lands on his tombstone and gives it a couple of pecks. Peck, 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 peck. And then, boom, he's out. I really like his reaction to coming out of the grave alive again. He just kind of screams. He's like, oh!
1: This can't be right. <laughs> Maybe he's still feeling that residual pain from getting shot and falling out of a building, a pretty high building.
0: It all really comes across. It's, I mean, even just imagine, like, when your foot falls asleep and then you got to stomp it back to life, but but it's been a year for your whole ass body. Oh, man. Could there be anything yeah. worse? Your whole body's <laughs> been a, dead in the ground. Yeah. Seems bad. He heads home, and as he's there, much like Meteor Man, he's got this psychokinetic touch absorption thing where he goes through the house and he's there and he walks the floor and he experiences those he finds pictures and he touches them and it sends them and he uses this power often where people who are related to his death when he comes in physical contact with them he can give and take memories and emotions and experiences and unlike meteor man it lasts longer than 30 seconds he has it until this is like a permanent thing yeah there's not a timer on this one. Which is also
1: like Blank Man. Just like Blank Man, it lasts longer than 30 seconds.
0: That's too many parallels.
1: I don't know if you guys listened back to that episode, but I really loved that, like, that whole minute we're talking over top of him orgasming.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to go through and listen to these like five years from now. Because once it's like, I have totally forgotten the bits... So far down the line and then, because one day I'm going to listen to them. I'm just like on a walk and I'll just put it on. I'm very excited for that to get some distance
1: between it. I look forward to remembering how funny I used to think I was. You're just such a pessimist. <laughs> Man, that was, that was more cynical
0: than I've ever been on this show. <laughs> I'm talking about myself. I, much like Eric, I'm going to go upstairs and angrily get out my pancake makeup. And re really slather it up. <laughs> this scene, this scene, I just saw yeah. a TikTok actually that really embraced this this moment. He hastily scrawls some paint on to make himself look like this mask. It's very stark, it's very striking. But trying to make him look cool while he did it, I really shifted in my seat a bit. It was a
1: bit, as the kids would say, cringe. Is the whole building condemned? Because I was wondering why there would still be caution tape up and the windows never repaired. There must not be anybody living there.
0: That's kind of the impetus for the murder. They never get into it, but the big boss guy and whoever he's working with wanted those buildings to be condemned. The big boss guy's name is Top Dollar, and they never say that. (laughs) It never comes up because Top Dollar. It's so incongruous. He's like an occult incestuous boss sex weirdo and his name is Top Dollar. Why isn't his name like Malifor or something like literally anything but Top Dollar? I'm just guessing that that was the name of the big bad from the original because all these names are crossovers. It would have to be. It feels like a Dick Tracy bad guy. Even better
1: than his aggressively putting his makeup on is his calisthenic moves that he does that he like
0: does like a quick like chin up out the window that he fell out of oh my god the out the window (laughs) like flips back in like the dance off oh my god that's such a good moment i was kind of vibing and then he like goes it's so smooth he's reliving the moment and then the moment where he is thrown out the window he does a little kick flip
1: he's to slam dance his pain away I get what they're doing. I wasn't vibing until that happened. Different strokes for different folks.
0: Brandon Lee's cut as hell. That's all I'll have to say about that. Hell yeah. But yeah, then he pulls out his band outfit is still there, and he grabs that out. I believe they were trying to get those buildings condemned so they can knock them down, and I don't, I don't know. I don't really know what the, the main thing is, but they wanted that building, everybody out of that building. So that's why it's still abandoned to this day, because real estate where it's at, someone would be living there for sure. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> So he's out the window, and I believe this is where we see that shot of him out that circle window where it is a superimposed Chad Stahelski. But then we cut to Tintin has done some robberies. Now he's gone to offload the goods, and he heads to Gideon's pawn shop. And Gideon is John Polito with that very nice long coke nail I thought was a nice touch. Mm -hmm. Tintin pawns some stuff and leaves, and then the newly minted crow kicks down the door he does some parkour before just to get there that's like him testing his powers and he's like super fast and he's got reflexes and he can jump on pipes and swing they did like a money shot of him jumping and swinging on this pipe and that was pretty tough i'm like you could have done that full speed that and it might have looked a little cooler guys <laughs> they didn't need to slow it down but the music was jamming the set here that he's running across, this rooftop set, looks amazing. I love the way this movie looks. So wet and steamy and dirty. I love it. Dripping wet. It just looks like it smells bad. Oh, yeah. It, sm- it just smells like piss steam coming out of a sewer. That's what this movie smells like. Yeah. I love it. Though. I'm about to go get a cigar. I love the shots between like the actual bird, the crow, and Eric Draker, or Draver. Draven.
1: Raven, but with a D, because it's the crow. A lot of Corvid stuff. So I loved that it's actually the crow that's in the movie is actually a raven. Oh, is it? Yes. Different length of beak. I really like the
0: switch out shots.
1: Like when he jumps, then it, it shoots to looking at only the crow. And then he
0: lands and it's back to looking at Eric Draven. Dude, all the crow work in this movie is outstanding. There's a ton of good crow shots. Even the CG like crow flying stuff was pretty well done. There's a moment where the crow flies through the smoke and that billows out. All the crow work is great. I don't know how they got some of these shots, but the crow's in full force. He's the crow, which I think is really cool because you like you said, they, they don't tell you what his powers are, but you just figure it out. And one of his powers is he's got crow sight. So whatever the crow sees, then Eric can also and that crow finds himself, Tintin, warming up at a garbage fire. The life of crime is not doing Tintin especially well here. No. All these people do still live where they
1: do. (laughs) Tintin didn't do crime to get rich. He did crime because it was easy and it was fun.
0: They're not good people. When the crow assaults Tintin, he sees him from the roof. The crow sees him. And this really this was really striking to me. He's up on the top of a building. The, the crow sees him. The crow gives a good. Ca-caw! And then Eric does literally the Assassin Creed dive off of the building and flips oh, over. Man, it, that was awesome. It has to be whoever programmed that into Assassin's Creed had must yeah. have done this. Because the movement is identical. It is exactly that. The eagle dive, and they have a crow caw over it. It is striking. And in this version, though, which I love because the crow can heal wounds, which we see here, he does a total swan dive onto the quote-unquote concrete and just smashes on the ground, gets up laughing. I was like, whoa! He obviously lands on a pad that's meant to look like the ground, but he didn't fall into a dumpster. It was like he died and his body was broken and he thought it was hilarious. It just really set the tone. It got me excited then and I'm excited now.
1: We see Top Dollar with his lady, by Ling. Well, we don't know that till later. And John Polito becomes the audience whenever he says, that's supposed <laughs> to be your sister? Sister, she's supposed to be your sister. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it is his sister who I guess they do stuff together in that way. Uh, and they cut out <laughs> eyes and, and things. But uh and. That's where we see a handsome (laughs) strapping Tony Todd looking real nice. Top dollar is holding a snow globe, which I thought was a good through line from Cemetery Man.
0: Yet again, another connection. Maybe the same snow globe. I watched a couple of interviews with a couple of different characters, T-Bird and Brandon Lee, and they were just talking about how deep they were getting with their characters. They all got little affectations and they were going very hard with this. They were playing it basically from what they were saying. And Ernie Hudson, Ernie Hudson always goes hard. I don't know if you guys have ever seen him. He will talk so seriously about the most bullshit stuff and it's so heartwarming to me. But all of these guys were talking like so intently about their characters and their motivations and all this kind of stuff. Search up Making of the Crow if you're interested on YouTube and there's a couple of really great little featurettes. There's a 16-minute one, I think, that uh, you should check out. So here we are. We're seeing all of the goons and gangs and stuff like that. And Tony Todd makes his appearance. Now, speaking of pinkies, Tony Todd. Tony Todd has a ring on his pinky. I don't know if you guys saw it or if it came up or you noticed it. In that interview, if you watch the 16-minute clip, he's like, Grange is a strange guy. I didn't really have a fix on him until I discovered this piece, which is... uh... To me, it has a lot of, I mean, this it looks simple enough, but it's like just one little thing I needed that added a little comic book element. So that was his inspiration, that weird pinky ring he had. That was his Inception top spinning. If he was wearing it, he's in the dream. It was his totem and it informed his character.
1: Speaking of rings, this is where the crow, Brandon Lee, Eric Draven, enters Gideon's Pawn Shop Gives Gideon a good scare, basically tells him, you know, hey, where are your rings? Blah, blah, blah. He's basically just putting the fear of God into him. Gideon blows a hole into, he shoots him in the chest and he sees it close up, uh, which is a recurring thing. Then he says, oh, shit on me.
0: Shit on me. Shit on me. Shit on me.
1: (laughs) Yes. Great scared line. But he goes, gets the rings. He gets Shelly's ring out of this pawn box and he walks towards the exit telling. Gideon you know tell your friends basically I'm coming for him and he dumps the rings into his shotgun and then shoots the shotgun at the pawn shop which he doused with gasoline kerosene whatever why was there so much gasoline
0: in that pawn shop it's a pawn shop slash gasoline emporium so it's a really a twofer because he had barrels okay he had barrels of gas in there
1: what do you know about John Polito from this show he works a runway where there's oh my goodness. big gasoline trucks that keep exploding. He says, you know what? I'm just going to keep him in my pawn shop now. That's how it got started. Oh, my goodness. That makes so much sense. Because it can't be trusted. Exactly. So anyway, there's a lot of gasoline here. Gets blown up.
0: It smells like gasoline. Cool, cool <laughs> fact <laughs> about the shot
1: that they did with the uh, shooting the rings at the pawn shop is they just basically had a smoke machine or whatever, but they just dropped rings onto a camera as it was like looking up. Oh, that's dope. What they would do now digitally, they did, practically, and it looked really cool. And then they show uh, Tintin, finally, and he's stuck like a pin cushion with knives. And all of his organs in alphabetical order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wrote, I've
0: heard of a murder of crows, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that scene is pretty cool. I like when the crow catches the knife and he, he flips it back and gets him. All of the murder bodies are pretty brutal here. It's all on the reflexes. They show
1: a flashback of his engagement to Shelly, now that he's got Shelly's ring. Oh, yeah. And it's him like saying, like, oh, we'll have to go up to the attic. And the attic is full of lit candles. This dude, <laughs> I, 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 his idea of lighting a bunch of candles in the attic and then walking away, were not very sound.
0: They, like, went to dinner, and then they came back. <laughs> yeah.
1: I even wrote down, the flashback of the candles in the attic gave me anxiety. It looked like the Punisher's basement. This city has a history of burning up. Exactly. I also didn't mention he takes a guitar whenever he leaves Gideon's shop, which is important.
0: One of the crow's powers is um, psychic amplification, I guess. I don't know. He can wail on that thing and it just blasts through the city. He leaves the pawn shop that's blown up with the guitar,
1: and now Eric Draven meets Albrecht. They do a quick meetup. And luckily, Albrecht ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> whenever he leaves the scene like quickly or whatever Albrecht says a line which made me crack up
0: at least into that walking against the wind shit I hate that
1: because he looks like a mime
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that made me laugh honestly I didn't get it because he said that walking against the wind shit I laughed and I was like, "Wait a minute! What is he talking about?"
1: Mimes would lean forward when they're like walking away, like they're walking again. Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, you could almost say he uh, ghosted him. He did. get it because he did, he used to bust him, and and busting makes you feel good. I just made that joke. <laughs> <Ba-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da."> <laughs> That'll probably be a bre- that's probably a good break point for you. So the crow, he's out there. He's saving cats. He's saving Sarah. She's skating around. It's more like surfing, she says.
1: Which didn't make sense. Yeah, because it's rainy. That's what she was saying. Because it's, it's so rainy, it's more like surfing. Now it makes sense.
0: Thank you, Sam, for saving Dave, <laughs> much like the crow saved Sarah. Al- Albright gets in trouble. <laughs> so she doesn't get perished. <laughs> Apparently, Albert got in trouble for digging too deep originally about Shelley and Eric's murders. And there's a detective who's really fucking just stomping all over this man. Fucking Torres. And I was really sad. I really wanted to see that shitty detective get comeuppance. I'm sure that scene was deleted. He got no comeuppance. He got
1: no comeuppance. Speaking of which, there's like at least 20 minutes of deleted scenes where the crow has like a guide in his afterlife of another guy who didn't get the revenge that he needed to return to his grave. Skull Cowboy. Skull Cowboy. Yes. Yes. But Winston starts drawing on a picture of uh, Eric Draven to see if he's, you know, this made-up crow, which is not dissimilar to Batman and Mask of the Phantasm drawing lipstick on people just to see if they're the Joker.
0: <laughs> it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Eric, at this point, drops in on Fun Boy, does a little guitar solo. Sarah's mom, Darla, is a waitress at the club, and her and Funboy Boy have a thing, and they do some heroin, I guess.
1: Eric called it morphine, but it was definitely just straight-up heroin.
0: Maybe it was,
1: but uh, yeah, it, it seemed more like heroin to me. I remember that scene most vividly where he brings the drugs out of Sarah's mom's arms. A real spooky heal him up It was pretty cool. Didn't like it. And he, say, he says to her, Mother is the name
0: for God on the lips and hearts of all children. Pretty dope. It's a quote from William Makepeace Thackeray. You'd love to see it. Darla gets on out of here. She gets inspired to go home and be like a good mom again because he says so. But Fun Boy, not so lucky. He gets all jabbed up with a bunch of drugs and similar to the knives earlier. But there's a line here that was quite chilling, I must say. When Eric is stabbing him with these full syringes, Funboy Boy says, "You're wasting him." <laughs> that really like hit me in my guts. And I was like, The Crow, I'm here to be mildly entertained and nostalgized. Please, please don't hurt my soul. Thank you. Please don't remind me of the looming opioid epidemic. Don't make
1: me feel my feelings.
0: Yeah, I don't want to feel feelings, The Crow. The Crow City of Angels is probably going to help me with that. And I won't have to feel a single feeling. Yeah, those will help.
1: You're not going to feel anything.
0: There's like a crow that has David Boreanaz as the
1: devil in it. And I haven't watched that one yet, but I'm going to have to. I'm pretty sure David Boreanaz is the devil. It's possible. Are we sure he's not? You ever see him in the same room? Oh, good question.
0: We're really getting down to it. We can't release this episode now. Shit. Pennsylvania Proud, David Boreanaz. The Aurora Boreanaz. So Eric drops in on Albright again. In his skibbies. And his undies and hat. How did you guys like the fit? I loved it. He was, yeah, that drip was good. <laughs> do you think he, I mean, he knew he was still wearing the hat. <laughs> he like, knew, because he do. I mean, he just do. I like that Eric got to play the audience like,
1: you're still in your hat? Speaking of John Polito, though, Tony Todd's trying to figure out what happened to his pawn shop. And he says, well, shit on me. Again. And that's when I realized that that's his catchphrase and not just something he says when he's scared. There's another instance of a catchphrase in this movie. It'll come up a little bit Uh-oh. later. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, he's in that scene with Winston Zedemore. They show the power of his touching people to see what they see and feel what they feel. He does a cigarette gag where he asks for a cigarette. He takes like one hit and he's like, ah, these things will kill you. And then John Polita answering the top dollar.
0: Top Dollar has scooped up Gideon and does a little interrogation about this. And I gotta give it to Gideon here, the character, John Polito, for giving this man shit. Does he not understand the gravity of his situation? That he-
1: Oh, there's a psychopath with a knife,
0: or with a sword,
1: not a knife. A sword, which is a quite a particular affectation to think he might not use
0: it. A, a full-ass rapier from his sword closet. His boss has already casually tossed him A fucking human eyeball. He has known that, and he's still fucking mouthing off. He's got no legs, but he's got balls.
1: Balls of steel. Then we cut to the crow doing his best power. Oh, yeah? He's playing a guitar solo on the roof. And I wrote uh, rooftop more like a riff top.
0: Oh, (laughs) shit. Oh, shit. Very good. This is a psychic amp, because there's no amplifier. He's just sitting there and just rocking out. He rocks so hard. Sarah hears him. She wasn't sure if it was Eric, but now she's definitely for sure Zos because he said it can't can't rain all the time. All right, so let's take this brief moment. I have to ask you guys this question because there's been lots said about Brandon Lee's potential and all of this. How are you guys feeling about his acting at this point? Because this view hit me a little different because there are points where I think he is firing on all cylinders and there's points where I'm like, whoa, is this community theater? How did you feel? He has some goofy parts his only other movie of
1: note, Showdown in Little Tokyo, which is uh, him acting against Dolph Lundgren, the Punisher. And it's super cheesy and like over the top, like Kung Fu stuff.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense.
1: But yeah, there are some scenes where he's tapping in and other scenes where he's being, like you said, a community theater, probably version of the Joker.
0: Roger Ebert actually said that
1: the most ironic thing was that this movie was better than almost any movie that his father came out with. I agree. I think Brandon Lee was firing on all cylinders. There's some goofy points, but I don't You can't compare apples to oranges. I mean Bruce Lee didn't speak English. Whatever. I don't I don't think it's Brandon Lee's fault that it was goofy. I think it was written goofy and he
0: acted it perfectly. It's two different styles of movie. I understand what Ebert is saying because yeah, like Big Boss, that's kind of bullshit. I mean, I fast forward until we get to the fight scenes and then then I move on. You know what I mean? But also Enter the Dragon is a good and compelling movie. With cool fight scenes that don't feel shoehorned. This movie is a little bit better. I honestly think that when he was being scary and intimidating, I think that's when he's really vibing. The parts that I kind of was getting, like Dave said, a little bit cringy was when he was trying to be a normal guy.
1: I don't know. Yeah, he's still trying to get in touch with his humanity. And I think could be explained away that he's a dead guy trying to be normal.
0: Oh, exactly. oh, wow, wow, he's, wow. He's trying not
1: to scare Sam. Winston Zeddemore and Sarah, and that's just something that he's not really able to do because his- That's what I'm saying. The goofy stuff that's written- He's overcorrecting. It's written
0: because it's overcorrecting that he is dead.
1: It's all dedicated toward
0: vengeance. Well, that makes so much sense because he tells Sarah, he's like, you can't be my friend. I'm not alive. Like, I'm not this guy anymore. Wow, okay, you cracked that fucking wide open for me, thank you. But I
1: I agree, I mean, a lot of it does kind of come across as, like, super goofy, but I think he's just uncomfortable in skin in general. I think that's what he's doing. Oh, man. He is an instrument of vengeance at this point, and he's no longer Eric Draven, but he's still clinging. He's trying to put on a show. He even spends a lot of his time burning pictures of himself and Shelly and things. You know, he's, like, trying to excise that. Erase his past, almost. The goof factor for me is him almost being like the Joker who
0: laughs like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker who just starts laughing out of nowhere and it felt like it was out of place. I'm glad you bring that up because... On the interviews that I saw, the main thesis, I'm guessing, from the writer and Brandon Lee, what they were kind of focused in on was you've been dead for a year. You come back. At that point, everything for you, your whole life is different. Your house is a burnt out husk. Everyone you know is dead and gone. And you're trying to figure out everything is different, basically. So you've come back to this world that's totally strange. And it's not spelled out here, but... He's got a ticking clock, basically. He only has a few days to sort out his whole deal. He's been given two days to right all his wrongs. The things that he does is very telling. He watches out for Sarah. He kind of wraps things up. He's burning the pictures, kind of mourning his life as he lives it.
1: Passes on the engagement ring to Sarah.
0: Kind of trying to give her some closure because her mom hasn't certainly been helping with this. Her two best friends died and she's been on her own. There's, like, so much heart in this movie, and I think that's part of what has made this one a classic. Plot-wise, this is when Eric has carjacked T-Bird, and we find out why this man is called T-Bird, because he's got the pimped-ass ride. His ride is so pimped. There's definitely a goldfish tank in there somewhere. (laughs) Exhibit
1: definitely hooked that up.
0: there's a chase here and this is where we see what's his name tweaker skank tweed skank skank where we see that the blossoming romance here there's a great guy and this is i don't want to say it's my favorite part of the movie but it's the part that got the biggest reaction for me eric has carjacked t-bird and make is making him drive very quickly down the street because he's got a gun to his head the gun that will unfortunately later kill him not to be a bummer, but I think that's what Sam was referring to. This is that gun. And they're driving down the street, and cops see them. And the one cop throws his cup of coffee out the window, and the other cop spills his cup of coffee all over himself. And says,
1: what in the crap?
0: What in the crap? Yeah, that was really good. I laughed. What
1: the crap? <laughs> oh, my God. And that's the other catchphrase, because he says it, it again comes... later. He says, what in the crap whenever a, a guy's body flops down onto his car? What? What in the crap? Could you imagine a human body falls out of a building onto your car and your response
0: is, what in the crap? Honestly, I think that's pretty, I don't know that I would say anything. I would probably just scream like Damon Wayne's. That makes more sense than saying, what in the crap? <laughs> Especially, what in the crap? It's an R movie already. You can say whatever you want. Maybe the they fact? were shooting for PG-13
1: and they just could not get there. Is it Skank that gets hit by the car coming out of the building? Yes. Then he hijacks that car. Good on him. Right. But the driver of the car comes out and says,
0: stupid ass hair you hit my car. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a weird insult. <laughs> this movie so fucking good. It's it's I. Oh, my God.
1: What a fucking movie in my notes I put I'm apparently still angsty because I still love this movie <laughs> oh it's so good so Tony Todd is checking the Gideon's lead and he goes to Eric Draven's grave and it's wide open I thought that it was just so interesting and maybe so telling that it took Tony Todd the third day since the crow came out of his grave to notice that there's a big hole in the cemetery like there's no groundskeeper or what have you what do you call that guy engineer <laughs> there's no engineer <laughs> This is Detroit in the 90s. I don't think they are maintaining the lawn too well at these cheaper cemeteries.
0: Eric takes care of T-Bird pretty good. Melts him. That incendiary grenade. I want to just talk about the crotch grenade for a second. Because here's the thing. T-Bird knows what that thing is. And I don't know if you know what that is. That is an incendiary grenade. That is a thermite grenade. That's a thermite grenade. And what that means is incendiary grenades aren't exactly what media or video games would tell you because your idea is probably that you pull the pin and it explodes and it's like napalm and there's fire and stuff. That's incorrect. What really happens is that grenade basically burns as hot as the sun and you put incendiary grenades on top of armored vehicles and pull the pin because they get so hot they will melt all the way through and destroy it, basically, Jesus. and melt all the way through a tank. And Eric Draven put that on my man's nart. I can't imagine he felt that for very long. It blows up mercifully for him before he hits the water and that grenade will just burn just through his, hotter, hotter. His, his biz. And then we get to see one of my favorite tropes, one of my favorite things, copied, as you say, you mentioned Daredevil earlier, but here it's done to fullest effect. The crow walks away, light, lights a lighter, throws it on the ground, and it's a flaming crow. Actually, did that in the Punisher.
1: Thomas Jane, Punisher. He
0: lights up that like oh bunch yeah, yeah of cars. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, and it's, it does like a thing. They do a big one with Joey Pants in Daredevil. That was like the big trailer moment. But here, it's very cool. It's a crow. My problem is if that's gas. It's gonna burn up in like less than a minute.
1: I think the message is the burnt crow spot. We just get to see it go
0: up. Oh, it'll be black. Okay,
1: okay, but it'll okay. be there.
0: And you know what? It's really for Eric. Exactly. He's only got two days on the Earth. He's he's got a. He wanted to see it. He's showing his crow buddy, who's gonna look down at it
1: and go, Nice. I kind of want to do it now.
0: He's a performer. He's theatrical. He's got the makeup. He's got the cool jacket. Now, okay, my favorite thing that is totally unaddressed by the movie, and I think it's the coolest fucking detail, and this is something that always stuck with me for this movie when I saw it, probably 98, 97, somewhere in there, as when I first saw this on video. When the crow is shot or sliced up, his body heals, but his clothes are all fucked up. So what he does is he wraps his body in electrical tape wherever he's taken damage so far. And I think that's so fucking cool. I don't know why, but it's dope. It's definitely cool.
1: It, it is a cool effect that didn't need to happen. It could have just had a hole in his shirt. He doesn't care. He's already
0: a corpse. And he's ripped. Do you think it's for, like, darkness purposes? And he was like, Ugh. And so it's just easy just to wrap a bunch of electrical tape. I don't know. He's dramatic. He's just a drama queen. I get the feeling like, well, Eric
1: was in a band, but he probably was in community theater. They got the face that he took is the dramatic mask face or whatever. Sad face. Yeah, tragedy. We now cut to Top Dollar's underground club. And I wrote down the lyrics that the band is saying, because I watch in subtitles.
0: Oh, baby. Speaking of the Matrix. Is this the club they go to in the beginning of the Matrix?
1: Probably. But the lyrics, according to the subtitles, it says, being crucified... You things, things, things of the flesh. Do it slow, down, avenues, cut Uh me. Lust my eyes, licking lips, encouraging Mr. Careworn to gaze upon the screen. Bask on after the flesh. So there you have it. My life with the thrill kill cult is the band, and the song is called After the Flesh. Yeah, it's a bad song. It's a super bad song. It's the worst song on the soundtrack. But it leads us to... The boardroom scene, which is the penultimate big fight scene. Uh, oh, the shoot em up yeah. Top Dollar comes in. He says, our, our friend T-Bird won't be joining us on account of a slight case of death. <laughs> and then Eric Draven shows up, and uh, he he has a cool quote. Because they say, basically, let's just kill this dude. And he says, well, that's, that's his plan. How are you going to enforce it? And then he shoots him, and he's, you know, whatever. You think he's dead. But he's not dead. The guy checks on him, and he kills that guy. I bet that hurt. A great shootout scene. He gets up and he's dual wielding pistols and just mowing dudes down. It's awesome. Uh, Probably they should have just handed Skank over because at that point he just wanted Skank. But he ends up throwing Skank out the window and falls on the cop car and, you know, what the crap. And ultimately leading to a... A bunch of cops being out for Devil's Night.
0: The cops just start fucking blasting because, yes, yes, Eric throws Skank out the window as he flees. This scene, I think, is one of the video games where the way that guns work in video games is based on a couple of different movies that happen over the course of time, one of which is a lot of John Woo gunplay Video games take a lot of inspiration there. I love when they throw the guns away. Oh, yeah. You just get the net, grab the
1: next guns. Could yeah. there be anything cool? I love that.
0: John Woo, Gun Fu is so operatic. It's so like beautiful. But this is one of the quintessential moments. I think it's kind of John Woo, the Crow, and a little bit of Boondock Saints have formulated the way gunfights go in video games and culture. There's like a through line there between this and John Wick and things like that. There's so much collateral damage. There's so many squibs going off. It's just chaos. I love a good shootout, and this is one of the best.
1: And Winston Zeddemore has a good self-burn. He says, uh, there's so many cops,
0: you'd think they were giving away donuts. now is when we see the weird occultism that's going on you know there's eyeball the weird magic psycho sister and she kind of figures out the crow magic and the crow is the source of it all
1: i wish there was like five more minutes of that because it was just all of a sudden she's holding a feather and she goes this is it this is the link between his dead world and his alive world and if the
0: crow is dead he dies the ghost has been given up they burn the eyeball, and then Top Dollar smokes the eyeball smoke, which is pretty creepy and cool. Uh, Michael Wincott. Yeah, that's some goth stuff. Wow. Yeah. And, I mean, he's great. Was he the um, Sheriff of Nottingham in Prince of Thieves? <laughs> Let's look at Michael Wincott, our favorite segment, IMDb Dave. The IMDb corner. Oh, he's the other one. He's not the sheriff. Yeah. He's the mm-hmm. other guy. Okay, that's why I'm thinking that. Guy of you born great job guys that was a nice brief one <laughs> i didn't want to dive too deep into it <laughs> honestly their aesthetic and vibe is very similar to prince of thieves where like the granny has like weird stuff she puts in her burner and there's no obvious occultism but it's just given she's very mystical so they hatch a plan kill the crow you kill draven Eric has reached his vengeance and he's ready to go back to the grave so much. So he says his goodbyes and he goes to Shelly's grave. And basically he's about to touch the grave. And I believe that will kill him. And the crow sees that Sarah has been kidnapped and is in trouble.
1: By Tony Todd, the first bad thing he did. Sarah's actually yelling out, Eric, help me. And there's no way that she would think he could hear him other than the crow
0: could see and hear it. She know he a ghost. Luckily for her, he comes to the church. And also Albright comes as well. And my man makes a fucking entrance. (laughs) He's got a flare gun. He's got a shotgun. He's got pistols. He's mowing these dudes down. Ernie Hudson, he missed it. He should have been an action star because he pulls this all off. This was like a badass moment.
1: Did you mention that they had they did shoot the crow, and that's how they realized that now he's basically mortal. He's considerably more of than the actual now. bird.
0: Yeah, yeah. It took away his supernaturalness. Back impression for you. Car, car, bang! Fuck! I'm dead! Tony Todd snipes the crow with some sort of high-tech shotgun, but then gets blasted by Albrecht he does some work but he takes a wound and now it's a classic bell tower scenario as you do you climb to the top King Kong style just like Batman yeah just like Batman oh when she gets her eyes ripped out by the crow yeah the crow oh, the man. crow turns on her and gives her t- I call that a beak cute <laughs>
1: ah! <laughs> <laughs> hell yes <laughs> We didn't get a porn parody for the crow yet, but we can wait. Uh, the cock crow. The cock crow. Because that's a word. Cock crow. I believe you. What is that? What do you think roosters do? And therefore, it's called the cock there crow. Go. Okay. Sure. It doesn't have to no, be any good. B- uh, better no, that's than that. Good. It could be fine. It's <laughs> a good one.
0: Fine. Well, we've got a rooftop fight. It's raining. The step crow. <laughs> Ooh, step crow. The bird. That's good. That's real. The bird is it, actually. I think that's the one. You think you found it? That's fine.
1: It's fine. I think the
0: cock crow is good. Bounce. well. Got a fight on the rooftop. Really, a resounding moment of this movie is when Top Dollar is stabbing up our boy. He's slicing him. He's dicing him. He's kicking his ass, dude. But he needs a weapon. So he grabs like a weather vane, ass lightning <laughs> strikes it, and pulls it out. And they do a sword fight. Eventually, I mean, Sarah falls off the roof. Yada, yada, yada. Next thing you know, Top Dollar's flying off the roof and falls on a gargoyle and then blood comes out of the gargoyle. Because the crow
1: now, new power, late addition, his ability to make Top Dollar feel the pain that Shelly felt for the last 30 hours of her life. 30 hours of pain all at once. Oh uh, yeah, he gives her the memories. And that's what makes him fall off, Yeah all at
0: once it it makes sense you get it it doesn't go good the pain transfer and that's that's kind of it um sarah's safe albrecht is safe everybody's cool eric heads back over to Shelley's grave he's gonna re-die again and he does but it's really nice that she shows up and they say hey what's up and they leave together so that's fun
1: yeah she they reunite i think she's in a wedding dress as i recall yeah
0: she's wearing white certainly her all in white him all in black it's nice Nice little symmetry, nice ending, good moment, good smooch. Indeed. I feel like My Chemical
1: Romance watched this movie like three too many times. Great stuff.
0: Uh, A lot of people did.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a lot of goth stuff. I mean, who's to say what came first, you know? um, A lot of folks were into the goth stuff from like Rocky Horror, etc. But uh, I feel like this brought it back into the public or global consciousness of the style.
0: Yeah, this certainly didn't. Um, this isn't the first instance of like the goth sensibility or this kind of style that did exist, but this certainly, like you said, Sam, brought it to the forefront.
1: Like the Cure inspired the Crow, the Crow inspired people to wear six-inch black, like foot-long boots.
0: Yeah, the fact that this th- this movie was extremely popular and that sensibility kind of cracked the code and. Yeah, it became much more mainstream after this, certainly.
1: It's definitely a direct line from, like, Goth of the Cure to the Crow to the Matrix. Like, you can definitely trace it the whole way up.
0: This is about five years after the original source material, which we'll get to and the comic Convergence.
1: You know, the end credits didn't have, like, uh, the crow rap, which was kind of disappointing. I, mean, I feel like we've been spoiled. I'm glad there wasn't a crow rap. Are you down with crow pp?
0: pee? pee? <laughs> <laughs> there the crow is, is what it was called. Bow, 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 The crow! You know, one of those kind of things? Caw, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. <laughs> it's some real industrial kind of stuff. And that vibe was coming straight off the page from the source material draven is a place on earth the crow draven is a place on earth the original series was created in january 1989 by james o bar and it revolved around the character of the same name the crow the setup is similar there's a rape and murder and then eric is brought back to life but It's also similar to James O'Barr's real life where his uh, fiance was killed in a drunk driving accident. And he wrote The Crow as a way to kind of work through those feelings of his wife dying in that accident. It's a black and white comic, and it is actually the best selling indie black and white comic to date. It's been done over and over again on a couple of different... It started independently on a Caliber Press. I don't know anything about that. There's about eight or nine different publishing companies that works with, most recently, uh, with IDW. Doing Near Crow stuff, as it were. All of the beats are the same. It's a character who comes back to, like to take revenge. He's got two days and... I don't know if he has got a timeline in the comic actually, but he comes back and the crow is more of a character. It kind of speaks to him and explains the rules as opposed to in this one, he just kind of
1: slam dances to figure it out. Intuits them.
0: Yeah, he seems to know what the vibe is. In the comic, he has to work through, it, which makes sense because it's a comic. But the original run was really successful and it kept getting picked up by different companies. And going forward, Uh, James O'Barr was also intimately involved with making the movie. They really wanted him involved in the process. He's one of the writers on the film. And I think he worked closely with Brandon Lee and the screenwriter to bring his vision and themes of the Crow comic to life. It's inspired a ton of different sequels through comics, more movies, a few that we'll get to. And also, I find it really interesting that one of the more popular wrestlers of the uh, WWF, WCW, WWE, Sting, was inspired by directly the crow. The wrestler Sting.
1: You send out an SOS. Is that his move? Wrong Sting? Different,
0: but close. (laughs) Not far off. Gordon Sumner. You sweet,
1: sweet Sumner child.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, this one was received quite well at the box office. The budget on this one is a 25 million. It opened to roundabouts 12 million and the total global gross of this one coming in at 50 mil. So this one was quite a hit and spawned many a sequel. Critically, also quite a hit. This is, I think, one of our highest rated movies so far. On the Tomatometer, it's got an 85%. Audience score, 90%. Easily the highest. It's definitely a classic. It's certainly a quintessential 90s movie. This has got some classic characters, some of them good, some of them extremely bad. I think it's about time that we really break it down and find out who's our favorite and also who we don't like maybe so much, or who is our best at being the worst. Let's break it all down. It's time for who's your hero. Who's your villain?
1: My hero is gotta be Albrecht Winston. He ain't afraid of no ghosts and he ain't afraid of mixing it up with the ghost. The first time he met a ghost, he was mad about it. Like this can't be right. The second time he's like, yeah, okay, it's fine. It's fine. It's a ghost. This is pretty chill. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's fine. The third time he's killing people for the ghost. Exactly. It was a weird three-act play if you watch it that way.
0: I love his one moment He's, when Eric asks him, do you have a plan? He was like, well, I was thinking I hide behind you and you jump out and they shoot you and then I jump out from behind you and shoot them. And He's like, well, it's not going to work this time. I'm like, eh, shit.
1: My hero is Darla. We didn't talk about her too much. She did have probably the best arc in the story. She had it good and then it got real bad for her and then five minutes of being clean, she's mom of the year again. She's making eggs. She's five minutes of being clean. It's all it took. She was ready to give it up pretty quick, though. As soon as Sarah tried to give her some lip, she was like, "Ah, oh, you know what? I didn't want to be a mom anymore." Anyway. It was reverse psychology. <laughs> yeah, she knew it. She knew yeah. the eggs. She knew what eggs she liked. Yeah. She had the only redemptive arc of the story. Granted, it was pretty shoehorned, but we didn't talk about her enough. And I, I think she was nice. I think she was a decent character.
0: Dave, you've got such a big heart. Our little patron saint of lost souls over here. <laughs> she made a comeback. At least his
1: hero wasn't Fun Boy. No, Fun Boy is not a hero. <laughs> I think, I
0: think my hero is that hot dog guy. Uh, Mickey. Yeah, Mickey took a lot of shit. He took a lot of shit from a lot of people. This guy Albrecht is telling him how to put fucking mustard on a hot dog. It goes on the bottom. <laughs> This is this man's profession. You're micromanaging him. Let him be. He was ready to give Sarah free hot dogs. That was pretty clear. He was looking out for people in the community. Um. So yeah, Mickey, what a great guy. Now I get to pick the first villain because I did the last hero, as is the custom.
1: This is the way.
0: I think my villain, I really got to give it to the unfortunately named top dollar. Uh, Michael Wincott. He's really making a meal out of this. This is a nothing character that he's putting so much zhuzh into. I don't know if it's the power of his long, extremely straight locks or his pirate outfits and very tall boots. He does not fit at all in the aesthetic of this movie. He basically is the same character from Pints of Thieves in this movie. I agree. And it still works. It still works. He has a
1: certain joie de mort very good
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh oh there oh, oh. we go. nerve my drop the banner that's it that's joke of the year we're not gonna beat that we're not beating that that's it that's the one uh,
1: my villain is Ooh, torres the, uh, the detective he keeps reminding albrecht that he's a shitty beat cop and he shouldn't be looking into this stuff and then like a million times, he's like, "All right, you got to help me now, though. Like, don't look too deep in, but you have to help me now." And the, oh, you're not going to help me; you're suspended. Fuck you. I hate this guy. This guy, he was not even fun to hate. I just hated him in general. The worst. Torres is the worst. It's a bad boy. My villain is Albrecht's wife who left him. What? <laughs> It's like a throwaway line. He's a picture of him and his wife. And Eric is like, is that your wife? And he's like, oh, no, we're getting a divorce. And that's it. That's all I know about her. But,
0: I mean, how could you not love that guy? Honestly. He puts his all into his work, yeah. But, I mean. Just when he needs you the most. He's just He just got demoted for doing the right thing.
1: Exactly. Villain. <laughs> Unless he was a bad guy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe some been <laughs> drunk.
0: <laughs> well, let us know what you think. Head on over to Nerdoplexy.com or hit us up at Nerdoplexy Pod on Twitter and let us know who's your hero and who's your villain. When you do hit up Nerdoplexy Pod, you
1: could hit me up at the face of Dave and you can let me know what your favorite angsty movie was when you were a teenager. Because I think this was it for me. I think the crow was my like peak
0: angst we're about done with the crow. Do you guys recommend this? Do you think this is a good movie? Do you, would you uh, suggest this to people to give a watch?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it would surprise me if I, if I know anybody who hasn't seen it, but it's one of those, like having just watched it, it withstood the test of time. I think uh, there's no like glaring bad effects or things that would like take you out of the story. I think the story is good. And it's, it's one of those like a, Count of Monte Cristo, Tale as Old as Time, Revenge Tale, you know. Very bad thing happens, and then everybody who did bad things gets their comeuppance, except for that detective guy. But he didn't do anything near as bad as the other people who did get their comeuppance. He just didn't close the case. But no, this is definitely a classic... For a reason. People love this movie because it is so well done and every single actor in it, like like you said with Michael Wincott, he gave his all for a character that didn't seem to fit. Everybody gave their all. Even Sarah, the child actress, she gave her all the whole time. Nothing about it felt off. It was a, a really great movie.
0: Absolutely. I agree with that. I really enjoyed it. It was it, this is like a proto movie of the times to come. You know, you're talking about the Matrix and all that stuff. This is that same aesthetic. It's very alt rock. It's dark, it's stormy, it's emotional. It's a great flick. Absolutely check this one out. All right. Well, Check us out on the next mini episode. We'll be talking about the new Marvel series, Moon Knight. We'll uh, have a couple of episodes to wrap up for you, so be sure to check that out.
1: And we'll also announce our next Comic Book of the Month Club.
0: Absolutely. You know, be sure to let us know what comic you think we should cover next. Thank you so much uh, to the cast and crew of The Crow. This was a great, nostalgic watch. The, um. You guys did a great job. i uh, also like to thank our patrons, Steve and Megan. You guys uh, really help us out, keeping us inspired to put in all the time for all the uh, goofs and gaffs. <laughs> <laughs> you can join their illustrious ranks over at nerdaplexy.com. Dave's at the face of Dave on Twitter. We're at pod On Twitter, I am pgh underscore read. Sam's at pgh underscore s. VH, please join us next time for our mini-episode and until we meet again, I'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. Crow job.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's what's that Will Smith spy movie where he becomes a pigeon? Spies in disguise. Crows in dark clothes. Spies in disguise. uh was there was there some, a follow-up to that you just wanted to know <laughs> here's your thought to ponder what was that movie where will smith was a pigeon <laughs> no i was because there no because there was the no i'm sure there, there were those shots where like the, the you could see like a pigeon does in like like 270 degrees or whatever <laughs> Got all that